0: In Romans chapter 12, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, verse 1, Romans 12, 1, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your regional service. Some of your Bibles say, your, which is your spiritual act of worship. I mean, with these others, some of these other translations. So it's true and yeah, true and proper see, that's the real worship. So what is he saying there? He said to present your body a living sacrifice. So what happened when you presented when they presented a sacrifice to the Lord? The sacrifice would get they put their hand on it and they'd cut his throat, his slaughter and you would be dead to yourself, that you no longer living for yourself, but you present your body to the Lord. You know, this is it belongs to you, Lord. Surrendered surrender to you so that you're no longer conformed to this world, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, a renewed mind, so that you may prove what is acceptable, uh, good, acceptable, and, and the perfect will of God. Doing God's perfect will, God's good will. We know what the will of God is. We, we study that all the time, don't we? Doing the will of God, which is walking in righteousness, because they that... In the flesh cannot please God, the Bible says in Romans 8. So, am I really worshiping the Lord when I, my heart's not right? I got things in my heart and I'm feeling all this and doing all this. You know, it's a different type of worship the Lord's talking about here. Talking about a worship which you worship, worship God in spirit and in truth and in Christ. So it seems like the scriptures always go back to our lives, you know, being right before God. Um, like you say, like the scripture says, you worship me with your mouth, and your lips, but your heart's not right with me. God wants the person's heart to be right with Him in worship, because we know that the scripture says that the, there's no peace to the sinner. It says that the Lord doesn't hear the prayer of the of the sinner. He's angry with the sinner every day. You know, uh, we've got many, many scriptures scriptures talk about that, so he wants your heart to make sure your heart's right with God, to really into real worship. I think a lot of times, a lot of the worship today is not really the worship that the Lord's looking for. He's looking for true worship. I remember um, in Isaiah 1, he said, uh, turn there. I I think I can recall there in Isaiah chapter 1. All right. Isaiah 1, <clears throat> yeah, verse 12, it says, when you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts, bring no vain oblations, offerings, incense, and an abomination unto me, the new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies I cannot." Away with it! With it is iniquity or sin, even the solemn meat. Your new moons, your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are trouble to me. I'm weary to bear them. And when, we, when you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yet when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Because your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings. From my eyes, cease to do evil, quit sinning. Learn to do well, seek judgment, receive the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though you be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the Lord God hath spoken it. How is the faithful city become a harlot? So he's talking to people here that they were spreading their hands, they were praying, they were talking to the Lord and thinking they were in worship when the Lord wasn't receiving that worship because they wasn't worshiping in spirit and truth. Remember that woman actually asked before that, she says, she asked the question some say that we worship, you know, in the temple, some say we worship in the mountains go pray, and we had to go to Jerusalem to pray. And and which, where do we go? Because that's what she was asking, you know, what, what like she was thinking it was a place you gotta go to worship. And she says, And he said, No, he says, neither there nor nor the mountains nor there. He says, But they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. That's the true worship of the of the Lord. And so we, we want to make sure that uh when we turn our hands and our to the Lord, while I'm talking you would cheer, turn with me to Jeremiah Chapter Seven. Jeremiah Chapter Seven. Chapter Seven. <clears throat> chapter seven. Chapter seven. Um, verse uh, 6. Well, let's start at verse 5. He says, For if you thoroughly amend your ways, turn from your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt, then will I cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave to you fathers forever and ever. But behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit.
1: May I ask a question? Yes, sir. What is it? Uh, Jeremiah 5.
0: No, Jeremiah 7. No,
1: no, no. Jeremiah 5. When you, you thoroughly execute judgment between man and his neighbor. What does that mean?
0: Um, they changed the judgments of God. They're, they're, they, <coughs> instead of going with God's judgments, they were putting their own judgments on the people. Instead of executing true judgment, okay. they were had like man's commandments. Like yeah, and they were using man's commandments to execute judgment. Okay.
1: All
0: right. All right. I'm sorry. Okay. No, it's okay. Look at this though. Verse eight. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, and burn incense? unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom you know not, and come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. So a a lot of people feel like, you know, I can still do all this stuff. I'm delivered to do all this. God doesn't really look at it. But obviously he does. He looks at those things. That's why he says, amend your ways. Turn from the way you walk in and walk with me, the Lord says. But the Lord says that he dwells in the midst of praise. True praise, true worship in the Lord, true worshipers of God. Um, anybody else have something to add to that? or say, Anybody have something? Okay. I want to talk about, uh, well, if anybody got anything on their heart tonight, first of all, I want to always open that up. Anybody got something to are dealing with? Yeah, I got something. Okay. Uh, Hebrews Hebrews uh, 6.
1: Hebrews
0: 6. Okay. Well, to, to get a good context reading of it, I would start at the, at, uh, the beginning there, verse 1. It, it, and we'll, we'll come on down, if that's okay with you. Yeah. And read in context with everything else. Uh, it says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. We're not to repent sin, repent sin. We're to lay that down once and for all. And of faith toward God, of the doctrines of baptisms, the laying on the hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of the eternal judgment. There's a time for those things, but you go on past that. And this will we do if God permit. for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again and to repent, it, seeing they themselves to themselves the Son of God afresh... And put him to an open chain. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh often upon it. And bringeth forth herbs and meat for, for them by whom it is dressed. Receiveth blessings from the Lord. Blessing from the Lord. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is near unto cursing. Whose end is to be burned. So he's still adding to those verses there where he talks about it's it impossible for those that once they saw with their eyes. They tasted of the heavenly gift. They were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. They tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance. Because what they're doing is they're making the cross look like nothing. They're crucifying Christ afresh. So a person really needs to fear the Lord if they get in a situation like that and they they go back to, to sin or they fall back in sin there's a point where you you really can't really come back, you know, and that's that's that point they're getting to. And then he and then he goes on and he talks about the fruit. It says briars. It's bringing forth briars and it's not bringing forth good fruit. They have briars coming forth, which is not, which is rejected of the Lord. I had a bunch of briars in the backyard this weekend that Ben and I got stuck. All I got holes all in my arm. I got I got to wear a long sleeve shirt, and long pants because. There were thistles. The, the, the trees weren't bringing forth good fruit. We're not for good fruit. <laughs> they had fruit, but the fruit was corrupt. Fruit. And it was bristles and briars. It, it, it's, so what do we, we do with that? I told Jill a long time ago we need to cut them down, but she wanted. She said they look good and they hide the back. So <laughs> I finally got enough of them going around with lawnmowers and getting stuck enough time. I said, I'm cutting them down. So we cut them down and but I didn't think about cutting them all up and how hard it was going to be to put into stacks with all those picking up those buyer things, you know, and putting them up. But, but anyway, it's good for nothing. That's what he says here. If you go back to the other way and you start bringing forth bad fruit, it's good for nothing. But beloved, we're persuaded better things of you. Better. Trying to encourage them to bring forth good fruit, we, and things that accompany salvation, fruit that that brings that that shows salvation. Kind of like what John the Baptist was saying: bring forth fruits. Of salvation, fruits of repentance, those good fruits which accompany, which which uh, belong to salvation, which that word "company" means belong to salvation. That's for thus we think we speak. For God is not not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward His name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. But what I see is that He's encouraging them there to don't let it go don't go back but to bring forth more fruit it's kind of like it reminds me of uh, of revelation hold your place here and turn with me to Revelation chapter 2 the first church that Jesus is talking to was to John the Baptist, is the church of Ephesus. And, um, and, and this church, I want, I want you to hear what, what happened here. He says to him in verse 2 of chapter 2, he says, I know your works and your labor and your patience and how you can't bear them which are evil. And I was tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars, and has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you. Because you, left, you, you, you have left thy first love. So he says, what, I want, what you need to do, he says, remember therefore from where you've fallen and repent. And go back and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of the place except thou repent. These people were getting to a real place of trouble like they were in, in Hebrews 6. They were getting to a place of trouble where they had left their first love. And they were beginning to let things slide. And God admonishes them and says, man, you need to go back and do this first work. And you need to go back and repent. Or else I'm going to remove your lampstand from me. I'm going to remove you from the, from, from the uh, Lamb's book of life. They were, they, were in, they were in a big trouble. Because they had begun to slack back, fall back. Again, it, again, it talks about this, if you'll turn with it to Hebrews chapter 10. Here's another group of people, which is the same Hebrews, He's admonishing them again here in the same kind of way, same kind of context. I want to start at verse uh, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart. Now, that's kind of what we were talking about before, you know, worship the Lord in in spirit and truth. Have a true heart. All sin proceeds from the heart. The Lord said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So where your treasure is, the Bible says, there will your heart be also. So if our treasure is on something of this world and that thing gets moved out of the way, you'll notice how people can react. And uh, I know there there's times in my life where if it was finances or something that happened, I, I was moved by that. But the Lord wants us to come with a true heart that when something happens, whether it's financial, whether it's whatever it is, that we're not moved. But that we're steadfast in the faith. So, so let's draw near with a true heart.
2: If you are moved by that, would you consider yourself being in sin?
0: If the Bible says to me, to be anxious for nothing, and I'm anxious for something, then I'm disobeying the Bible saying be anxious for nothing, right? And, and sin is the transgression of the law of what God says. If, if I'm worried, if I'm discontent, I'm in, in, I'm in discord, I'm, I'm in opposition to the word of God. Because the Bible tells me to be content in whatsoever state I am. The Bible tells, tells me to rejoice evermore. You know, to give thanks in all circumstances. That's why he says do away with all murmuring and complaining. You know, we, we don't murmur and complain anymore because we know God's got it at hand. When you're trusting the Lord with all your heart, you don't lean to your own understanding. This is, this is something that is foreign to the natural man. The natural mind can't understand that. That's, that's crazy. That's foolishness. But to us who believe, that's the way God has us to live. So let's go on. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, the washing of the water of the word in Ephesians 5. Let us hold fast our profession of faith. What is your profession of faith? And waver not. So, what's your profession of faith? I'm dead in Christ. I reckon myself to be dead in Christ. I'm a new creation. I'm not, I'm not walking the way I used to walk. I'm not going back to that. I'm holding fast. Now what would cost, What would be a way that I, that I wouldn't hold fast in my profession? By, by sinning? By going back to something? Even though I'm not, you may not it's not just mouthing holding fast your profession of faith. It's more action that you're holding fast your profession of faith. If I'm discontent and I'm showing junk coming out of my mouth that I'm Fussing and quarreling about, about because of selfishness, then I'm not holding fast my profession of faith. I've lost it. I need to go back and repent, like the church that he was talking to. For he is faithful that promise. Thank God. That reminds me of um, of First of, uh, Corinthians ten thirteen. Here, here it says he is faithful that promise. Remember First Corinthians ten thirteen was was. Uh, no temptation has taken man, any, any man, but that which is common to man. God is faithful. He won't allow me to be tempted beyond what I'm able. But will due to the temptation, provide a way of escape that I may be able to bear it. Guys, we're, we're always provided a way of escape from a temptation to sin. All we have to do is take the, the way of escape that the Lord provides to us, and you will never sin. Guaranteed. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. That's all you have to do. But people don't really want to really search God's word and don't really want to believe God's word. Believing God's word is believing God. If I'm not believing God's word, I'm not really a believer. Because that's what a believer really means, is he's believing every word that God said, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I believe it. And you have to humble yourself to God's word. God opposes the proud. The man's going to say, oh, I'm good with God. I'm all right. But yet if he's got something he's moving in, he's moving from, and he's not admitting it, he's a a proud man, a woman. And that that, that man's not going to receive anything from God. God opposes the proud. He hates the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. man humbles his word and says, you know what, Lord? I'm looking at this this word here, and I'm not uh, holding fast my profession of faith because I'm wavering. I'm wavering. When things come my way, I, I waver. I, I want to confess that. I want to, bring, I want to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I've I got to have a full repentance here. And then it says, and let us, let us consider one another and provoke unto love and good works. We want to encourage one another. Provoke them to, don't provoke them to wrath or to anger. Somebody, so, you, know, you can provoke them good ways or bad ways. The Bible tells us to provoke one another to good works and to love. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another daily, one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We encouraging one another as we go through today. Had a wonderful time yesterday with uh, with Claire's son-in-law, you know, and his friend, you know, to about two and a half hours, we just had a good time in the Word and had some real good discussion and and uh, some things uh, differed there, and it, but it, it was good. It was it was. I enjoyed it. It was a good time to, to just get in the Word, to just have, uh, like, like, Bible study right there. You know, it was a blessing. Uh, I think it was to them as well as it was to me. Then verse 26 says, For if we sin willfully, after that we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for our sins. For sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and defiring the nation, which shall devour the adversaries. You know, a lot of people say, well, you shouldn't fear God. You know, uh, Proverbs 16, 6 says that by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. That's what causes people to depart from evil, depart from sin, is that they, man, I'm going to get before God face to face, man. If I'm not right, and I, I, I need to get it right now, I don't need to wait. I need to do it right now and get it right. Are you going to face fiery indignation? He that despised Moses' law without mercy under two or three witnesses, how much sore punishment suppose you? Who do you think you are? I mean, we, listen, guys, we, we were we were grafted into this thing. God didn't owe us anything. We got into a good thing because Israel rejected God. He came into his own, his own received him not. So we got grafted into the vine as Gentiles. But he said, boast not, lest you be broken off too. Be not high-minded, don't be proud. Behold the goodness and the severity of God on those that continue goodness, but on those that don't, you will be cut off too. So, don't, you know, a lot of people think, well, we're we special. We got something Israel, you know, they didn't have an Old Testament. We don't have to, we can sin and still go to heaven. All this stuff. No, you're boasting against the, against the vine. You're going to be cut off. You got to do it God's way. Man said, if any man, any man, or uh, war, uh, war, let him do it by the oracles of God, by God's way. And he goes on and he says here, um, Of how much sore punishment suppose ye that ye shall be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and had counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and had done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Oh, wow. You suppose that's, uh, it says like he's insulted the Spirit of grace. That's kind of like Jude, huh, where it said that in the last, they said, earnestly contend for the faith, for some have come in and, and there were false, false apostles that have made grace a license to sin. Remember that in, in Jude? Well, grace. I remember early on, Bob. uh, I was always taught that grace was just a uh, uh, unmerited favor, okay. But then, as I look at grace in the scriptures, I realize that the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching them to deny all ungodliness and worldly lusts, and to be blameless and so forth. And I realize that that men had the wrong interpretation of grace. That you know, if I turn my back on being godly, I'm insulting the grace of God. But it's the grace of God. Paul said, I labored more than all of them, but it was the grace of God in me that was doing this, that was pushing him, you know, that the grace of God is not passive. The grace of God is very active. It, it's, it's a work that's coming forth from a person. But I was, in, I was interested how it says he's, he's despised or insulted the spirit of grace. You don't want to go there. Because he turned, because this, why, how did this guy, in the context of that scripture, how did it, this person just insult the spirit of grace? He once sinned saved, willfully.
1: Once saved, always saved. That's insulting
0: <laughs> the grace, right? Yeah, but he, he sinned willfully. So he, that was insulting the grace of God when a man goes and commits sin. And really, if you think about it, about all sin is willful, isn't it? You can't decide. You know, yeah, I mean, you you don't go out and commit adultery and say, well, that uh, wasn't a willful sin, <laughs> you know. That was a willful sin. You, you don't, you know, outwardly, I mean, what sin is not willful, you know. Maybe if the Lord shows you something in your life and you didn't know it, that that could be But I'm saying. But most of the things that people are doing now, they're willful. They're a willful sin.
1: It's like, it's, it's like you're breathing like right?
0: to bring their sales up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently th- these people here, Bob, were um, they-, they were walking in disobedience. They were sinning willfully uh, after they had come to the knowledge of the truth, and uh, it- it- basically they were in trouble. They were getting in trouble, and the Lord, the Lord was pointing out the right of Hebrews was pointing out, man, you've insulted the grace of God. There's no more sacrifice for your sin. Um, you-, you know, really, really. Fire indignation was waiting for him. Uh, and then it goes on down. After that it says, verse 30, it says, For we know him that hath said vengeance is my, belongs to me, I will repay or recompense, saith the Lord. And again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But, I like those but, but call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated you endured a great fight of affliction. He's trying to get them to go back and think, man, look, look how you were before. Kind of like those guys in Revelation 2, you know, you've, you left your first love. Obviously, to leave a first love, that means they, they were doing good at first, right? Because they were with their first love. But now they left their first love. Something happened that they begin to excuse sin in their life. And that's what's happening here. He says, I want you to go back and think how you were. Remember how fired up you were? when you first came to me and how you'd left all the sin and you, you were just living so holy and you were doing so well. He, says, he said, man, look what they did. I mean, these guys were fired up at one time. But call, call to remembrance. Think about what happened in the early days, which after you were illumined, after you saw the light, man, you endured a great fight of affliction. You were made a gazing stock, an object of ridicule. Both our reproaches and afflictions and partly will she became a companion of them were so used. You had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. These guys weren't moved by things happening in their life. They took joyfully the spoiling of the, the loss of things, knowing in yourself you have a better and enduring substance. What a blessing. Yeah, you have another church there that reminds me of two, Don. Um, go to Revelation, uh, back to Revelation. Um, this woman in Revelation, um, yeah, Revelation chapter 2 also. This this woman here, he, uh, he's writing to the church of Thyatira. And he says uh, to, to them, uh, verse 19, I know your works and your charity and service and faith and patience and works thy works and the last to be more than the first, Not, notwithstanding I have a few things against you because you are allowing that woman Jezebel which calls herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed to idols and I gave her time or space to repent of her fornication and she repented not. So here is one that you see that so was in was sin and, of and and was refu- He gave her time to repent, space, and she didn't do it. And he says, "Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and those that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds." So th- they were at a point where they could have still turned from that their action that they were in. Um. They didn't fall as far, obviously not as far as what a person could go. See, the, the difference is is when a person comes to the knowledge, I think the real wording is in coming to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, there's a lot of people that, that don't have the knowledge of the truth. They haven't even been taught the knowledge of the truth. They had not sought the word to find out what the knowledge of the truth even is. And, and what I see the knowledge of the truth is, is coming to that place in Christ That you have come to a place where you know you're not supposed to sin anymore. Kind of like 2 Peter chapter 2, you know, where it it says that again there. And we've talked about that at some point. Yeah, uh, but it's kind of like Esau. Esau sought repentance with tears, but he could find no place of repentance. Because he he, uh, was a fornicator. And he he sold his birthright, which was a big thing, and, and he couldn't find a place of repentance again. Um, uh, and, so that that and I think I think the same thing happened with Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot uh had gone too far. He he really repented, you know, he went back and he threw the money back and said, I don't want this money, I, I realize I did wrong. But he couldn't he couldn't find a place of repentance. It says in the scripture,
2: doesn't it? Judas Iscariot. So how can he be really
0: responsible? For all well because because he still made the choice to make to betray the Lord. He was stealing even before that. He was stealing money out of the money bag and all that. He he, he opened him he opened himself up for the for the devil to come in. Satan entered his body and Well after, you know, when they were at a pretty good kick this just kind of <laughs> I don't want to be behind her when she. Bob, you look out at home. Don't be behind her when she kicks, brother. I don't want to when she kicks. I thought it was going to fall. Is Christ greater than he did? I'm just saying, a person can't say, oh, well, I heard that one because I heard this because Satan intervened.
2: That's not an excuse. Satan intervened. He's allowed it somehow. they're lost in So, I mean. Well, when Jesus actually. Yeah, yeah, that's good.
0: The Bible says it would be better for him not to have been born than, than suffer what he's going to suffer what he did. But when he betrayed him for money, he loved money, man. And and even when Mary came and anointed Jesus with the with the perfume, he said, "Man, that money." I could, money could have been given to us, so we could have gave it to the poor and all this, you know. And he was conning. you know. And and and, uh, and at the Last Supper, they were talking about. Jesus said, "One of you, one of you is going to betray me." And they all began to say, "Is it I? Who is it? Who, who is it?" And J- Peter said, "John said, ask ask Jesus who it is." So John asked the Lord. He said, "Who is it that will betray you?" And he says, "Whoever I dip the sop with and give it to him, that's the one that's going to betray him." And he gave it to Judas Scared. and he said, "What you must do, do quickly." And at that moment, when the Lord said that to him, the devil entered him, and he ran out the room, and he went down and betrayed the Lord for the money. And uh, then afterward, when when Jesus when he turned him in, and Jesus was condemned to death, then he realized he came to somewhat of senses that he had done wrong, yeah. and that he had condemned the innocent man. And he went back. He told told the, the, the scribes and the high priest, and he says, "Man, I've condemned an innocent man." Let me give. I don't want this money. I'll give this money back. to He says, Keep your money. We don't want b- money for the blood money, you know. And, and he threw the money down and he, and he ran out and hung himself yeah. at hey, that point. Committed man. suicide, sir. I think the demon. he had gone to a place, Bob, that's the scripture says before he even did that, Jesus that's said it would have be, been better for him not to have been, been born. So he had gone to a place really deep in sin that, that, um, that there was no turning back at, at that point that he was at. Uh, I don't think he could find a place of repentance. He obviously didn't find a place of repentance. But in Hebrews 12, which is a good example, is Esau. He, he, look at it, Hebrews twelve, if you want. Well, too,
3: wasn't so part of the
0: betrayal was when he led the the, to the, and he said, the one that I with so the Yeah, it was, yeah, it wasn't it was very, just a spur, a moment, temptation in the head. He acted out. He he, he was really him. in willful sin yeah. all the way through. Yeah, he he acted it completely out. Which which people do that too with the, it, adulterous affairs and stuff? They act it out and they they plan it and they do it all that and it, it, and you don't know if they can come back or not. You don't know. You know that's between them and God. You you can't. That's God's deal. But we know that there's a place in which you can come there. Look look here in in uh, chapter twelve of Hebrews. Uh, verse uh, fifteen. Well, let we start at verse 14. It says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. He says, uh, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Well, you can fail of the grace of God. Absolutely. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know that, how, that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. He couldn't find a place of repentance. Like, like Hebrews 10.27 says. He sinned willfully. He sought it carefully with tears. He was crying trying to find repentance. Yeah. So even those people cry and do all that, and I mean, you think, well, did they really come back, they're good. You, you don't know. Esau couldn't. Yeah, getting back
3: to what Don was bringing up about um, Hebrews 6 9, it was impossible for those who have once been enlightened to have, have tasted the heavenly gift of a share. Okay, and then going to the church at Ephesus... Where he says, um, you know, I know your deeds, your hard work, uh, you have there, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. So to me that says that they knew the depth of, they have a the knowledge of who he was.
0: Not, not, it's not about the knowledge of who he was. It's but, the knowledge well, of the, like in Hebrews 10.
3: So Yeah.
0: I, I don't know all the answers to it. I, I know that uh, there's a certain point obviously of the knowledge of the truth. They, they did have a, a place where they came, where they you're right, where they, they had to leave the first love, they had to have a first love. Yeah. But they, it, and then we see in Ezekiel chapter 18 where if you see the righteous turn from his righteousness and, and uh, you, you, you talk to him, and he turns back to the Lord that the Lord will forgive him, and he has life. So, but there's obviously a point where it's not, they're not repent, sin repent sin, but there's obviously a point where you get to where you, just like with, okay, just like with those that, uh, just like with that woman that you talked about that left her first love, or, or the woman that, oh, Jezebel, the woman that had the Jezebel spirit that was uh, fornicating and teaching those to fornicate, he said he gave her space to repent for a while, but then he cut it off. He didn't give her any more. See, he only he only gave her a certain time to repent. So that tells me she went to a certain point where she couldn't she couldn't repent anymore. Where's that
1: scripture that says that uh, whatever one strayed from the
0: fold or something like this, and brought back that the angels in heaven rejoice? Yeah, that's that's in uh, Luke 15. That's like the prodigal son. You know that. Um, like like he, he went he strayed and we know that we i mean in Ezekiel 18 we know that a, a righteous you never get to a point where you can't turn turn back to the world you know and and you know where a person says well he's locked in and he, he no matter what he does he's not going to come back or he's never going to go back because we know the scripture says that people turn from their righteousness and some came back but there's a point just like I said with Jezebel where he's he's talking about, you know, just thinking about it, as we looked at the scripture, he said, I gave her space to repent, but she repented not. Therefore, I will send her to hell along with those who committed fornication with her. So there was a point where he cut off that space. You know what I'm saying, Bob? Because he only gave her a certain time. But the flip side of that is how many
3: times he offered repentance. You know, if you repent. Haven't gone so
0: far as not to repent. It doesn't
2: say how many times. No,
3: it's not about the number of times. It, it
2: says, consider how far you have fallen uh, before he calls them to repentance. You're talking about the Church of Ephesus?
3: Yeah,
2: I guess so. That he says, consider how far you have fallen. Repent. From your first look.
0: Or else, he says, or else. Or so, yeah. So there was a time on that one also. He said, if you don't do this, I'm going to remove your candlestick from you. You know, your lampstand. He doesn't say that to Ephesus, huh? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Revelation two. The verse, yeah, verse 5, Don. But like you said, they have to have that relationship with the Lord to fall from it. Well, yeah, of course. Guess, uh, I'm just saying that, you um, know, it needs to be uh, an understanding of you can't continue to sin and expect the Lord to keep giving you a, a get-out-of-jail-free court. court. Exactly. Says, That's it. I'm That's you all right. enough chances
3: out of that is that he does give us chances. He, and, but even when we, we know him and we know that we know him and he knows us and we have this walking, living relationship with him and if we sin, that doesn't discount the walking, living relationship
0: that we have. before we sin. Well you also have, uh, Claire, where the scripture says in Second Peter chapter 3 he said uh, that they would their conscience would be seared with a hot iron. You, yeah, you kept okay. going. They don't. They don't even feel guilty. Or, or you also have Romans one where it says that he gives them over to a reprobate mind. Right. Uh, you also have Second Thessalonians chapter two where it says that he sends them strong delusion that they they may would believe a lie because they didn't want the truth. You know, so you have a lot of places there where a person goes to a point where they can't come back.
3: But, but, I, that point, but, but nobody.
0: To, but you don't know exactly where that point is. I can't tell you where that yeah, point I is. Agree. That's yeah. the thing.
3: Thriving. We're working on salvation, fear and trembling. And I can remember being born again, and as a baby Christian, still sinning. But I didn't stay. That in doesn't
0: that, that doesn't match up.
3: I it, didn't stay
0: in that sin. I kept. It does, still don't match up. You you if you if we sin, we're no longer that new creation. A new creation is a is a person that's not the same as the one before. Everything becomes new. Um but I,
3: That get on and
0: get erased? Well, you would you would have to turn. You're turning back. You turn back. You, you didn't continue. You know. You uh, maybe. You, I, I think better said is you never really came to a full repentance yet.
3: First love, remember the height from which you fall and repent and do not do
0: the, do, do the things you did at first. Okay, let's go back. I'm sorry, but I mean no, it's good. No, it's good. A, a good tree. Three. It takes you back to this. Just like we talked about last week. A good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. And what you're telling me is a good tree can bring forth bad fruit. That's not what the word says. That's not what the word says. I have to stick with it. The one who says I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar, and the truth's not in him. I I have to go with that. If I say I'm in the light and I walk in darkness, I lie and do not the truth. There's so many scriptures that tell you, if you love me, you keep my commandments, then I I will love you. uh, Yes. Yeah.